Want to know what's coming up on today's episode? Here's a preview. And I hear, as I'm like crying, I know I'm like, oh, get a pen and pen, get a pen and paper. And I hear my download. This was September of 2009. And Holy Spirit offloads all of the like plans. He was like, this will happen and that will happen. And these people will do this. And then like he lays, I'm like writing and crying. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, what else? And I get to the end of it. And I like, there's this calm. There's this, there's this like, I know that these are the plans that God has for me, right? Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. beautiful soul have you ever wanted to speak to angels do you believe angels can support you in your daily life if this is you go to my website homepage theangelmedium.com and sign up for my weekly angel message email as a gift for signing up i'm giving you access to free resources including 31 healing meditations that if you do daily are going to help you hear your angels and your own intuition more clearly. Start using these today and you'll see changes in 31 days. Now, take a deep breath. Feel the presence of your angels as they fill you with love, joy, peace, bliss, and ease. And remember, your angels say the messages that resonate with you in today's episode are meant just for you. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And friends, we have a special treat for you today. She was on the Today Show this morning. We have Yvonne Orji, and she is comedian, uh, BFF of Issa Rae over on Insecure. If you've watched that show, you know just how beautiful her style is. She can rock a pantsuit like none other. Friends, welcome everybody, Yvonne, to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. You have this new uh, book out and I'm looking at the cover of right now. it right now. It's just gorgeous. Um, Bamboozled by Jesus, How God Tricked Me into Living the Life of My Dreams. This is so fun. Thank you. Yeah, Bamboozled by Jesus. Aren't All right. we all? Yes. So you have to kind of line this up for people because you were tricked into living the life of your dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So I am a child of immigrants. My I was born in Nigeria. We came to America when I was six. And in true Nigerian fashion, you know, when they have kids, they're like, okay, yes, we need at least one doctor, one lawyer, one engineer, one pharmacist. Like, you know, these are the like the acceptable <laughs> Professions. And I was the only girl. And I was like, yeah, that feels right. Being a doctor, my mom was a nurse. And so I I said, I, I'll I'll do it. I'll be I'll be, I'll, I'll uh, volunteer myself as tribute. I'll be the doctor. <laughs> and, uh, it was going really well. Uh, I went to a boarding school for high school. And it's funny that this is the profession that I'm in now, like as an entertainer. I remember when, at boarding school, there were the students who were doing plays and they were in arts. And I was like, ah, look at these kids wasting their parents' money. Ah, 
just on stage, acting anyhow. Like I literally was like, I was shading the actors, right? God has a sense of humor. And so then I go to college and I was like, okay, I'm going to major. I didn't want to major in bio because I was like, if I'm going to be a doctor, I know that I'm always going to be in um, in science classes. So I was like, let me major in sociology because, you know, it's like I love people, study of people. And then uh, GW, which is where I went for college, they had this program where you could get into medical school the sophomore year of your uh, undergrad. So I was like, without taking the MCATs. So I was like, I hate standardized tests. If I get into this, I'm going to med school. Well, plot twist, I didn't get into the program. <laughs> and I think that's when God was like, you sure you still want to do this? I'm trying to let you know this is not your destiny. But I was like, mm, I have African parents. And so after I didn't get into the program, I was like, you know what? I don't even like blood. <laughs> like It was like everything was like dismantling. I was like, how did I think I was going to? Like, you know how when you say things and in theory, they sound fantastic. But in practice, you're just like, that like okay so you love basketball but you are four feet five like I don't think this is a sport for you like I don't think you're gonna you're gonna make it to the NBA you know what I mean like in theory fantastic in practice not so much so I was like I didn't get into this program I don't like blood maybe I don't want to be a doctor but I'm already you know when you're like too far gone like you're in too deep I am a, a rising junior in college I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. Like I've literally been groomed to be this one thing. And now that one thing is just slowly just becoming not a reality. And so I knew it's like, you have, you, you have the answer to one thing, but you don't have the answer to the other thing. Answer to one thing. I don't want to go be a, be a doctor. Answer to the other thing. What am I supposed to do with my life? So, <laughs> so I, in true immigrant fashion, uh, because the only thing African parents love more than education is what? More education. So I went and got my master's in public health because I was like, well, that's still in the health field. Mm, and then, you know, it's still dealing with people. Yeah. Sure. I can buy myself two and a half more years of a degree while I still figure out what I want to do. As I'm getting my master's in public health, I enter a pageant in 2006. It's the Miss Nigeria and America beauty pageant. Now, I was not the typical girl to be in anybody's beauty pageant. I was bullied as a kid. I didn't think I was beautiful for a long time. Uh, low self-esteem much. And and so, but I was just like, all right, it's the Miss Nigerian American pageant. I'm American. I'm Nigerian. Yeah. Sounds like I can, sounds like I meet the criteria. Two weeks before the pageant, they call me and they're like, well, what is your talent? And I said, I don't. Oh, I don't have one. <laughs> and they were like, well, everyone who competes needs to have a talent. And I was like, isn't this a competition for Nigerians? Y'all know our only talent is making straight A's. We can't do that on stage. <laughs> like, what, do you, what is this? So I prayed. And this I had become a Christian freshman year of college. So at 17, because I, I was raised Catholic, but I didn't really... Um, like the, like when being a born again Christian, you kind of like learn to just have a more personal relationship with Jesus for me. And so I got saved when I was 17. Now I'm like, what, 21, 22. I'm like, Hey God, how you doing? So I hope this is how this works. Uh, so I need help. And I hear, <laughs> I, I hear that you're really good at helping people out. I got two weeks before this and people have already bought tickets and I don't want to embarrass myself. So what do you think a talent for me could be? And loud day, 
I hear like you know how like you know how sometimes you, you get really mad at those people that was like I prayed to God for an answer and he spoke to me in five seconds. Now <laughs> I be wanted to push those people over. I'd be like, really? Because I've been asking God for an answer for three months and I ain't heard nothing from him. So you got him on the mail line. What's going on? <laughs> so anyway, so I pray. And I'm one of these people that you want to push right now, but it, it didn't, it didn't turn out like how I anticipated it turning out. So I was like, God, I need help. I was like, what's my talent? I hear Holy Spirit say, do comedy. And I'm like, mm, I think we got our wires crossed. I, like, hey, hey, God, it's me, Yvonne. Uh, I know you got a lot of kids, uh, but this one... <laughs> She has never done stand-up comedy. She actually does not desire to do stand-up comedy. She also has a fear of rejection, which is what happens when you're not funny as a stand-up comic. So I'm going to ask you one more time. What's my talent? And he goes, either you're going to learn to trust me or you're not. Wow. And the voice went away. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa this, this, what kind of conversation is this? This, No, I thought we were having a dialogue. That means two people are talking. And he's <laughs> like, I'm not going back and forth with you. You asked me for help. I told you what to do. And I know that it's God because a lot of times when God asked me to do something, my initial reaction is like, what? I don't want to do that. <laughs> so people were always like, how do you know it's God? I was like, I know it's God because I don't want to do it. And that ain't me. <laughs> and so that is how I got bamboozled into living the life of my dream. Wow. Oh my God. Well, I am dying over here. I did not bring tissues near me, but I've got like, I'm just waterworks uh, from laughing so hard. This is amazing. And I want to go back to something that you said, because I think that this is a key part that comes up for a lot of people. We really do have these innate soul passions and desires in which the soul wants to express itself in this lifetime. But a lot of times when we see other people doing the things that maybe we believe that we can't do, like you said, when it comes to actors, actresses, you know, out there doing their thing, you kind of like poo-pooed it maybe a little bit. <laughs> We all do this though, don't we? Like we either downplay or kind of talk negatively about that thing that we want. Why do we do that? Well, this, I didn't know that I wanted it. I didn't, I didn't know that I wanted it. So it wasn't like I was like hating on them. I just was like, I don't understand how these people are going to make a living in their life. Like, you know, yeah. like the idea that they were just like, playing for fun, like playing fun. It's like, you know, I was so serious. Like, again, you immigrant parents, you have to be serious. There's no like, there's no opportunity for like joy as a pastime. It's like, no, what are your goals? You know, you kind of, you know, don't be lazy. <laughs> like there's always something to be, to be done. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you have that job that like, when you're like, like a teenager, your first job and you're like, Oh, there's nothing else to do. And they're like, there's always something to do. Go fold the pants, you know, yeah. like go, go see if like the shirts are, you know, all in order and go look at the sizing. It's like, you're always supposed to be on, like there's no rest breaks. Right. And so for me, I was just like, so people really go to school. Cause I, you know, I went to a boarding school. So you're paying like tuition, tuition. And I was like, so people really out here just on stage just acting a fool. Okay. How'd that work? You know, like I, like in my mind, I was like, I want to be in, you know, science club and you know, all the like hard sciences, the thing I wanted to do the hard thing. So there was no space really in my life to just have fun. Yeah. And 
think about fun as a career. Cause it's like, I make, I tell people I make fun for a living as a comic, you make fun for a living, you know, as an actor, you it's fun. Like we, our job is fun. And so the poo pooing was, I didn't understand how fun could be a career. Yeah. So how did it go when you were on stage? You get up on stage uh, in this pageant and you're doing comedy. I'm sure you practiced beforehand, but was it love at first doing on stage? So, so I'm glad you asked. So it was that thing of I'm deathly afraid because again, when you have been bullied, the last thing you want is for people to be laughing at you. <laughs> you, you. I've already spent my formative years growing up having that done. I don't need no help as an adult to have people laugh at me. Come on, God. And so I memorized my set. Like the only thing I remembered at, you know, or I even knew for stand-up was sneaking into my parents' room and watching Deaf Comedy Jam and every Friday. So that was like my in rows into comedy. I was like, okay. And all I knew from them was they would say one thing and people would be silent and they would say another thing. And then people start laughing. So I didn't even know set up punchline. I didn't know the lingo. This was not a thing that I had been studying or like desiring to do. So I just was like, I just got to get these people laughing. And so for the next two weeks, I walked around and tried to figure out like, what is funny with this dual identity that I have as a Nigerian American? Like, what can I take from life and then apply it to like, like comedy. And so I walked around for two weeks and they'd be like, Oh, my mom does this thing. I wonder if other people, like, it's like, I don't know if other people's mom does that, do that, but, but like my mom does that. And so I'm going to take that. And with the lens that I have as a Nigerian American, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to see like if other people like find it funny. So, but I did not leave room for laughter. Like mm-hmm. I, I memorized my set, like it was a script. And so when I heard laughter, I was taken aback. I was like, no, y'all stop. I got, I got, <laughs> I got to keep going. And so it almost threw me the thing that I didn't know I was going to get, I was actually getting, but I was like, mm, this is making me nervous. So it turned out it was great. And then people came up to me afterwards and they were like, do you do weddings? I was like, mm-hmm, and bar mitzvahs. I just, you know, there's a chapter in the book called Fake It Till You Make It. Not fake it, but faith it. I was like, yes, I, I'm sure that I can do that. Um, just give me a, a mic. <laughs> and then so I, after that, I was like, God, I don't know if you were just being really kind to me because I was a really good Christian this week. <laughs> Like, again, you know, when you become a new Christian, you're just like, you think everything's so transactional. Like, God will be mad at me if I don't do this. And God will be, you know, happy with me if I do this. So I just was like, I don't know what happened because never in my life did I think that I would be on stage making people laugh. But since I did it, hey, God, can I do it again? But this time, not with Nigerians, because I feel like that's my, like, low-hanging fruit audience. Let me do it now, like, in mixed company. So I answered the uh DC's funniest college student. Since I was getting my master's, I qualified. I entered it. I ended up winning for GW. So now I'm like, okay. And part of winning is that you perform at the DC Improv. Mm-hmm. 
Did you know I give away a new free reading each month to a listener who leaves a five-star rating of this show on Apple Podcasts or Amazon? After you leave five stars, go over to the Contact Me page on my website, theangelmedium.com. Fill out the contact me form, letting us know that you gave five stars. That way we can contact you when you win. The more five stars you leave, the more chances you have to win. And your name always stays in until you do. Don't forget to stay subscribed to our emails so that you know when you've won your free session with me. Sending you so much love and gratitude for your support on this. Thank you. Now let's dive back into the show. And it was me. I lie to you not. It was me. I was the only girl and 15 other guys. <laughs> like I was like, wow. And I did not win the full, the like the main competition. But at the end of my set, there was an Asian guy and, um, and an Indian guy that came up to me and they said, your mom sounds like our mom, just with a different accent. And it was that, like, you know, you don't realize, you don't know the term universality. You don't know, like, you know, those big, that big vocabulary. But I just knew that there was something in my specificity that connected because at the end of the day, I think all immigrant parents went to the same school <laughs> on different continents. <laughs> and they're like, how do we break our kids to build them up? <laughs> like, that's, that's what they... That's what they learned. And so I think that moment just made me feel like there's something here. And because, again, I don't know how comedy works. I just kept like trying to find um, places to to work out this new talent. The place that really welcomed me was church. Since I do clean comedy in terms of like I don't use profanity, I was able to be booked on the comedy circuit, church comedy circuit scene in um, in and around the DMV area. And I would get paid. So I would get paid $500 to do the same five minute set. And I was like, I'm never going to med school. What other doctor is getting paid $500 for five minutes? That's not even a thing. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And you know, poverty is also a thing in the entertainment industry when you're trying to like make it. So I like worked in Maryland for so long in the churches. And then I was like, I got to go to New York. Baby, when I went to New York, I was poor. I was like, what in the heck? Like, I was getting paid. And in New York, you have to, like, almost pay to get stage time because they have these bringer shows. So you got to bring friends paying, like, a premium. And I was like, I don't have a lot of friends here. So it was just a very big shocker. I went from getting paid in the churches to, like, I don't know how I'm going to eat today. (laughs) So I was like, maybe I should have gotten to med school. That's a little bit more, you know, streamlined. Amazing. Well, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show too was so that you could inspire people with that story. I find it so inspiring that like when you take action, these other doors start to unfold. I think too often we talk about manifestation in this way where we just think about something and something materializes or you just pray for it or you just wish it or, you know, speak it. But it really takes action and action takes this courage and this resilience to keep going, to keep trying new things, keep turning over new stones. What kept you going in New York? Yeah, you know, it's so funny because when people, 
you know, occasionally they'll be like, hey, what you know, what advice do you have for new comedians, new actresses, whatnot? And they're always like, yeah, you know, I'll move to L.A., you know, if I have a job or I'll move to New York if, you know, when I have everything, like all my money and, you know, places. And I was like, when when does that when does that ever when does everything ever like it's not like when people are like there is no perfect mate there's a there's the best one for you in this season and then if you all keep growing in alignment then that is your person but there's there's no perfect mate because you're not perfect and so there's no like perfect like everything lined up and I'm making millions out the gate and listen if that works out for you let me know because I need your number (laughs) (laughs) to live an easier life but you know it's that thing of like like you said as you go you know in the book I talk about like people had to take the first step and it's just like as you're taking that step then opportunities arise because at the end of the day that you know thing for you there is an opportunity at a door but like if you are not even walking towards that door that doesn't mean the opportunity wasn't there. It means you weren't there. <laughs> so whoever then takes the step to open that door, they're going to get the blessing that originally had your name on it. And I'm just of the ilk of like, uh-uh, ain't nobody going to be in my stuff that had my name on it? Mm-mm, no, I'm, I'm not going out like that. And so what kept me going, it's like, I think God had to give me the dream in spurts. It was kind of like, uh, in the book, I talk about how Joseph is one of my favorite Bible characters because like, I can relate to him. Joseph was minding his business and all he did was have a dream. He's like, I have a dream. He was on his MLK. And his brothers were like, who do you think you are? Like, why do you think you're so special that you're getting these dreams? And so then they plot to kill him. <laughs> and it's just like, all he did was share his excitement. Like, what's happening? And, you know, I'm certain Okay, that in the dream, God didn't show him slavery. God didn't show him jail. God didn't show him Potiphar's wife lying on him. Like that was never part of the mix, right? It was just like, hey, (laughs) your brothers will be bowing to you. And like, it was like, oh, that's cute. That's sexy. I wonder what's going to happen for them to bow to me. And so you just hold on to that, right? So my, my version of that is, God shows me, you know, do comedy. I'm like, mm, okay, all right. Then it's like success. Oh, I like this. <gasps> let me do it again. Oh, more success. Oh, I like this. Oh, let me move to New York. Wait, poverty. I don't like this. Why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's just like, got him. You know, so it's like, I'm already, I'm already latched on because I know what that feeling is when I did get success. But, you know, when you get failures, like, mm, because if he showed you the failure, everybody would abort the mission before they even got started, right? Mm-hmm. And so what kept me going was like, all right, I know I know he, he didn't make a mistake in this. I just don't know how to navigate this. And so it's like trying to figure out how to navigate it. And then one day when I got so, when I tell you so down, I am a graduate two times over with real big Sally Mae student loans or Navient, whoever she wants to call herself. And I do not have enough money to go into the city and get two slices of pizza and a soda for $2.75. So that means a total of $7 because I need a round trip train. And I am 26, 27 at this time. And I'm like, how am I this poor? And I was like, God, this is not at all why my parents left another country to come here. 
but I'm already like in it. I'm like, I don't told them, like, I heard from God, I'm gonna do this thing. So now you're like, did I hear from him? Maybe I heard part of it and none of it, you know, said move to New York and try to live these dreams. But I just felt like I had already stalled out in D.C. So I'm crying. I'm like, God, I'm hungry. Like, I don't, I'm like looking in couches for a quarter. Is this my life? And I hear as I'm like crying, I know I'm like, oh, get a pen and pen, get a pen and paper. And I hear my download. This was September of 2009. And Holy Spirit offloads all of the like plans. He was like, this will happen and that will happen. And these people will do this. And then like he lays, I'm like writing and crying. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, what else? And I get to the end of it. And I like, there's this calm. There's this, there's this like, I know that these are the plans that God has for me, right? Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. And it's beautiful. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but God, why do you specialize in the hard thing? The easy thing is just for me to get some food. Just give me some food. <laughs> like, I was like, this is cute. I appreciate it. I want it in my life. I also want the slice of pizza and great Fanta. And I just was like, you know what? I can't do nothing about that right now. Let me just go to sleep. Because it's like, you can't be hungry <laughs> and awake. Just go to sleep. Go night, night. And so I went to sleep. And the woman that I was um, staying with, which by the way, that in the cell, I talk about that in the book, was a God-ordained connection because as I was trying to stall from going to medical school, I went to Liberia because I was like, oh, now I have to put my, my public health degree into use. Liberia had just finished the war. And I was like, it is easier to go to war tour in Liberia than to tell my parents I'm not going to med school. So I was like, bye. <laughs> so I worked in Liberia for six months. The last weekend I'm there, I go to a wedding and I meet this woman named Jackie Corey. Jackie um, was just so sweet. And I don't even think we exchanged numbers. She was just like, you're just like, she was like, you remind me of my daughter. I was like, oh, bless you. That was it. I left. So I bought my ticket to New York. I did not have a place to stay. I just knew I had enough money for a bus ticket. Okay. I was like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And so when you talk about how do you have everything all planned, I did. I didn't. I really didn't. So I'm on the bus and I was like, it's a four hour trip to New York. Okay. Let me get on Facebook. So I'm like on Facebook, like, Hey, anybody got a place? <laughs> Cause Oh, you know what it was? There was a class. It was an acting class that was starting. So I, I uh, applied for the acting class. I got the dates. And so I knew I want to go to the acting class. I got the bus pass. I just didn't have a place to stay. So I was like, four, uh, four hours, God will do something. I was like, girl, my belief was so high. I was like, Jesus, I'm giving you four hours to work with. And so Jackie ends up seeing my post where I was like, does anyone have a place for me to stay for six weeks in New York? And she was like, give me a call. And then DMs me her number. And she said, you can say it in the basement apartment that, you know, we have set up for my daughter, but she's away at school. So for six months, I lived rent-free wow. in Jackie's apartment. And if I would have waited for everything to be perfect, that would not ever have happened. I literally had my ticket. I had my class. And I was like, I'm just trusting that whatever comes next, we'll figure it out. Even if it was a couch. I was like, at this one, I was like, I don't care if I'm on somebody's couch. I'm taking this class and I'm coming to New York. And for six months, I had a bed. How about that? I had a bed. And so... After I cry, God downloads. I'm in Jackie's basement. I go to sleep because I was like, well, I ain't got no food. So let me go to sleep. 
the next morning I wake up and Jackie, it was like God spoke to Jackie in her sleep and was like, get up in the morning and make a Thanksgiving breakfast. Cause that's what it felt like. We had pancakes, we had orange juice, we had bacon. We, I was like, I'm so hungry. Like I was so grateful. And it was just like, you know, in the book I say, you just have to outlast your darkest night by one day and you win. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. it. A hundred percent. No, I think you're completely right. I want to go back to that part where you got the downloads, right? And you're just sitting there and you're writing down everything that's coming to you. And there's a couple of different ways I want to go with this because sometimes I think that people hear a story like this and they're like, well, okay, I'm just going to give up my job and I'm going to, you know, go leave and go do the thing. It's not that it's, and I know, I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to explain to the audience. It's that you heard this divine voice come through you. And when I work with, you know, tens of thousands of listeners, there's a really large percentage of people who will be like, well, you know, kind of like you were saying before, great for you, Julie, you know, like that you hear this voice, great for you, Yvonne, that you hear this voice, but I don't hear this voice just coming through. To me, when that voice, that divine voice comes through, it doesn't sound like somebody else's voice. It sounds like my own internal dialogue, but there's a presence of holiness, a presence of the divine. It is this inspired thought. How do you tell the difference within your own self of like when it's just the monkey brain chatter versus when it is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Like I said, for one, also a lot of times it's, it's, it's like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> or does it, it's like, I would say it doesn't make me feel good. It'd be like, why? You know, like when he, when he told me to give my rent money in the offering, I was like, this is not me. This, this, this is not a thing I would ever do. And I, I feel like you're trying to stretch me, but there are other ways to be stretched. This, I don't love this. You know what I mean? Like, so it's one of those things where I'm like, you get familiar with him. Also, you know, I, I got saved in college. And so I kind of did this thing. It was very childlike, like, right. I would invite him. It's, it's like with anything. How do you know your, your boyfriend or girlfriend's voice? How do you know your, your brother's voice? When you are in communication, like actual active communication, you learn to hear, like, I feel like I was about to talk to me or like, I actually need, I need to hear from him. Mm-hmm. And so you have to create the atmosphere, right? So for me in college, I was like, Hey God, what are we going to wear today? Like silly stuff. Like I would just ask him silly stuff. Like, ah, do I want to take this class? What you think, God? I don't know. This teacher feels, you know, I mean, it's just, I'd be like, what you think? So I'm, I'm asking him everything. Like, you like my hair? Yeah, I don't like this right here. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being so childlike. Like as if you have like a, um, you know, when kids have an imaginary friend, it's just, I just, I'm just be talking to God. So I started my foundation of like, well, they said we should have a relationship with him and I don't know no better. So this is how my relationship, is. but like, just that, like, Hey, I don't even know if I'm going to hear back from you, but I'm opening the lines of communication, the dialogue, I'm keeping that open. So imagine from 17 to now I'm like 20 something. Like, I've just been like, Hey, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and then I do, I do speak in tongues. Right. Um, and it's like not weird. It's not crazy. Like you can easily just like pray underneath your breath. So you like, no one has to fall out or no one has to be like, she's speaking in tongues. Like if I see an accident, I'll just look at it and be like, it's Lord, I just asked you to do this. Like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, and you don't have to like be spooky or anything. No one has to be like, what you saying? Doesn't have to be crazy. 
So I know that when I am trying to like hear from him, a couple of things I have to say that for me, I have to set the atmosphere. So I hear best in stillness and my stillness happens in the tub because when I'm not confined to water, I'm, I'm all over the place. My mind is going there, but I'm like, I got my bath salts. <laughs> I got my meditation music in the background, I have a candle. I'm Lord, I'm, I'm not going nowhere. I'm wet. So what's up? <laughs> you, you've been trying to get my attention. Yeah, I was like, you've been trying to get my attention, haven't you? I'm sorry. I've been running to and fro. What's popping? You know, and I just, sometimes I just sit and I just wait. And sometimes it's a, a long thing because he, he's he been trying to get my attention. And sometimes it's just, you know, the last thing I heard from him that was like really, really interesting was he said, I want you to trust you as much as you trust me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I was like, it's easy to trust you. I can't trust myself. Like, what if I, what if I do the wrong thing? And he was just like, yeah, you are, our relationship needs to go to a new level because he was like, it's been plug and chug. I love that you're obedient. That's fantastic. But I want you to learn that if I'm in you, you're not going to make a wrong decision because <laughs> I'm in you. And I just like, why do you keep changing up the way our relationship works? This like, you always <laughs> <laughs> you always want to do the most. Can you please? So, you know, that was a thing where I'm like, that's not a, you know, sometimes you have conversations with yourself and you're, you're a concept to how you think. Mm-hmm. You know how you think. You don't have to think about how do I think? You know how you think. So yeah. when you now hear something that's like either challenging how you think or not necessarily the words that you will use, that's when I'm like, oh, this guy. And it's not like he's speaking to me in King James <laughs> old English. Thou art mine. No. <laughs> Sometimes he plays me and I'm like, first of all, I don't like your attitude or your tone. Come, you better stop. You know, because he knows me. Like we have a specific relationship and he like he made me a comedian. So sometimes I'll hear him very funnily. Like, you know, or just like, now why you wanna go do that? I'm like, God, what I I they but they cause they did it first. And he just be like, really? You know, I okay, I get it. You're right. I apologize. I'm sorry. You know, and it sounds schizophrenic. And then other times when it's like a real download that I, I'm like writing down, it is, you know, I'll say lofty English, but it is very much like, did I not tell you to, you know, like, did I not say? And you're like, oh, yeah, you did say. Okay, yeah. So that's how I'm also kind of like, oh, because I, I wouldn't say it like this. So this has to be him. Mm-hmm. So will you tell everybody the story too of how, so you're in New York, you know, you're, you're sleeping on the couch for six months or you're sleeping downstairs for six months. Um, how did that transition into insecure and being on HBO? Um, so it transitioned into going to LA um, because I had done a, like a artist in residence. <laughs> so the same way I was talking about them kids on stage in my high school, I actually got booked to be on stage at a college. I was, I was, <laughs> I was hired to do a play at University of Virginia. And so it was the first time that I was like paid, a paid actress. Oh my gosh. And so I was just saving money. And I remember getting back to New York and being like, I want to do the next thing. I was like, I caught the bug. I, you know, theater was fine, but like acting on TV, that, like that's where and that's where it is, right? And LA has like such a, a a dope comedy scene as well. So I could do both, you know? Whereas New York, it's like, 
more comedy and theater. There's some TV, but I was just like, I'm gonna go to LA. How am I gonna get there? I don't know. So I, <laughs> I used to host weddings. And so I said, wedding season's coming up. Now that's where I get the bulk of my money. I said, you know what? I know what I'm going to get if I stay here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cancel all weddings from this date to this date. And I think I gave myself like a month. Now, mind you, it is peak wedding season. And there's no guarantees of anything I'm going to do in L.A. But I'm going to stop making the money that has been paying me for a few years. And I'm like, but I know what I'm going to get with that. And so it's like sometimes you have to take the risk. It's like. If you stay in the cycle, guess what? You're going to get more of what the cycle offers you. If you get out of the cycle, it's again, you never know. It could be horrible or it could be the best thing that you've ever done. And sometimes you just have to roll that dice. And so I said, I'm not going to take any meetings, any more weddings for, for this amount of time. And I bought a plane ticket. I bought a plane ticket for those dates. Again, no job, no place to stay, nothing. I was I was king of like, let God be a lot and let God be the truth and every man be a liar. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, it's like God gets activated by your faith. It's like, God, I'm serious. I mean business now. Because at the end of the day, it's like, yes, I didn't have a lot of money, but this $800 for this plane ticket, or maybe it was five, whatever it was, it was, I just had to take it. I just had to try and even if I get here and it doesn't work, guess what? I can always fly back to, to New York. Like, New York is not going anywhere. So anyway, I booked a ticket. <laughs> I had my dates, but that's about it. And I see this man. I can't remember what I was watching about, again, on Facebook. And I see the name Michael Ajakwe. And I was like, that is a very Igbo name. I know that last name. He's from my tribe. So I reach out to him and, it, and I, you know, figure out what he does. He's a television writer. So I'm like, oh my gosh, hey, you're Nigerian. I'm also Nigerian. And I am coming. And now was like, I'm coming to LA. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, wondering like how you were able to navigate the system or, you know, if you know anyone who's looking for an assistant or a shoe shiner or coffee getterer, I, I, me. And so, you know, I think his, his bio said like, um, a failed doctor or something like that. I was like, I too was supposed to be the doctor of my family. And I also am a failed doctor. Like I was like, all the things that I can be like, we we have so much in common. And you know, this is early days. This was like 2011. And so he writes back and he was like, do you have anything I can see? So I had just filmed like a little comedy thing um, like for the Africa channel. And so I sent him because I'm a Nigerian. I, I will maximize an opportunity a thousand times over. I think I had just gotten like these DVDs. So then I like made, you know, how like you used to like make the uh, DVD covers that like you could print them like with all your information. So I put my face on it. I put my number on top of the DVD cover. So like even if you lose a case, like all my stuff is on the cover. So I sent it to him and I didn't hear from him. So I was like, okay. And cut to maybe like two weeks before I'm supposed to leave for LA or even less. He writes back and he's like, give me a call. So I call him and he's like, you're funny. It's like, oh yeah, that's what I've been told. He's like, no, 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 no. You made my mom laugh. And I was like, okay. He was like, and I'm a comedy writer and she hasn't laughed at me. So I don't know what that says about you, but 
I think it says that you got something. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry that your mother has not left at you. But um, what happened was the reason why he hadn't gotten back to me in a while, his brother was planning a wedding. And so they had family in from London and Nigeria and, and, and California. And he was like, I had to keep them occupied. So I put in your DVD. <laughs> and so the whole family is watching this girl from Nigeria trying to make it listen to her comedy and because he's seen his mom crack up he's like okay maybe I should help this trick you know what I mean like maybe maybe there is something here and so he gets me an internship at, at the 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 show that he was working on as a writer and so now I have a a job it's an unpaid job but it's a job so I got so now I got plane ticket <laughs> I got a job still don't have anywhere to live so I'm like, I know one family, I know one friend in LA, but she had just had a baby. So I'm like, oh, mm, I don't know how this is going to work. I tried contacting her, but you know, she's a new mom. I happened to go to a wedding in Ohio the week, like I'm supposed to leave for LA on Monday. <laughs> the wedding is on Saturday. I go to, um, I go to what you call it, um, Ohio. They're at the wedding. And I was like, hey, I, I have this job. And she was like, you can stay on our couch. She's like, because the, you know, the baby has the other room. I was like, that's perfect. Turns out the studio is less than a mile away from their home. And so she's like, you can use my car because I'm on maternity leave. So in a matter of a weekend, I got a job, I got a place to stay. And all of this happened about a month and a half after I had already bought my ticket. So it's like, when you tell people, like, sometimes you just gotta pull the trigger. Like, I don't know what that looks like for you. Like, I'm not saying like, you. Like my faith was big enough to hold all of these unknowns, all of these question marks. My, that my faith was, I was like, God, you said, there's a chapter in the book that's, that's titled, Give God a Big Bag to Fill. I'm giving you check-in luggage, okay? It is it is overweight. <laughs> we are going international with these bags that I'm giving you to fill. And so it is that thing of like, I just gave him, I just gave him my full trust. I'm like, I, when you have nothing, you have nothing to lose. <laughs> like, honest to God, the only way it could go is up because I can't go no further down than this. And so that was that was how that came together. Wow, that is incredible. So when it comes to being bamboozled by Jesus, right? Do you believe that everybody has this luggage to fill? This abundance can come through to everyone. Do you think it's a bit of how your brain works? Do you think it's a will? Do you think it's drive? What is it? Can everybody have this abundance? I think it's accessible to everyone. It's like, like the Bible didn't say, I come so that Yvonne, you can have life and life more abundantly. Now I do put my name in there. <laughs> but if you buy it in print, it don't have my name. It's, so you, you can add your name on it. I think it is about like what you are willing to believe. I was like, I was the kind of kid because I think people had let me down. So, you know, when you're a bully, like, it's like, wait, why aren't we friends anymore? Like you didn't even take the, chance or the time to like hear my side of the story so you know I was like I don't understand how people work because one day they like you the next day they don't this is crazy but I was like God feels like the most (laughs) how do I say the most 
consistent thing in life right now. I feel like if he said it, he make it good. If, you know, like I just, I was, it, was, it felt very, I know what to do with this. I can hold it. It doesn't feel slippery. People felt slippery. I'm like, I don't know what, what y'all, y'all confuse me. I don't like confusing. So like the Bible and faith just felt very clear. And so for me, I just was like, okay. Like he said, when I was doing comedy, either you're going to learn to trust me or you or you won't. And I was like, well, I mean, there are more options than that, but I see what you're trying to say, you know? And so I think for people who are like, well, it's because she's, no, no, no. I'm a child of immigrants. <laughs> we, I grew up in Potako, Nigeria. Okay. And we, you know, we still have blackouts. So this is not like I had a silver spoon in my mouth. No, there was no one in my family. There was no nepotism. <laughs> there was, there was no one in the community that was doing what I was doing when I started doing it. So it's not like now. Yeah, it's like you see Ayo DeBerry, you see uh, Ego Moon on SNL, you see all of these, you see Gina Yashra, you see all of these people who are of Nigerian descent, David Yellow, Uzo Duba, who are like killing it in the game. When I was starting, I didn't see these names. <laughs> I didn't see any of these names. And so it was, I think maybe we had Chiwetel and David, but that was like, maybe that was it. So when when you say, this is just for me. Oh, no. It is about uh, the, my, one of my favorite scriptures. One of my favorite, favorite scriptures is when Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she who believed that what the Lord said about her would be true. And that's it. For me, I just I'm like, blessed is she who's, who believed that what the Lord said about because he can say some things about you. But if you don't believe it, then it's like then he's just talking. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if you said that I could have your best, then that's what I want. And anything that looks less than that, uh, then that's not you. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I don't know what to tell anybody. And so it's like, it does give me this ammunition. Like, I, I can't really understand when, especially people who say they're Christians or people of faith are like really timid. I don't understand because we serve a God that that can do all things, you know? Like, I, I also have a very good foundation of faith. So when I got saved, I went to a church in D.C. called Spirit of Faith Christian Center. And my pastor was just one of those, one of those men that just he like he would say, if they told me no, I asked the wrong person. And no today does not mean no tomorrow. And I just I was like, oh, I like that energy. And I adopted it. So I've been told no so many times. And like when you call customer service and they're like, I'm so random, there's nothing we can do. Most people just hang up. I'm like, what's your name again? Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl, how you doing? Okay, Cheryl, I know you said there's nothing you can do, and I and I and I appreciate that. However, is there is there any way that um, we can try this? No. Okay. What about what about this? Hmm. Well, sure. You know, I I know. I'm just I sure. I wish I I really I really need this to happen. And then it's like, well, let me see what I can do for you. Well, God bless you, Cheryl, because it's like they say no a second time. I'm still going to push it. <laughs> I'm still I'm still going to push it because, again, and I say in the book, I don't know if this is a no because you can't do it. You don't want to do it. It hasn't been done or it genuinely is. It is a no. It ain't going to get done. So because I don't know which one of those no's it is, I'm going to keep going. Because if it's a I don't want to do it, well, then, Cheryl, I need to talk to your supervisor <laughs> because I need it's above you now. And so I'm not going to back down until I get like, ma'am, you've taken this up to every channel and it's still a no. And even then I said, like, well, God, 
they told they telling you no. It's not about me. They're telling you no. So it would be in your best interest. <laughs> like, like I love, I love sending it up to my supervisor. I'm like, oh, you send it up to your supervisor. Well, I got a supervisor too. You know, and so I just have that energy of just like, if you said who gonna stop me, then who gonna stop me? You know? And and I like there's a chapter in the book where I talk about, you know, I may not win, but I always win. And you know, a perfect a perfect um, illustration of that is, I don't know if anyone's a tennis fan. I'm a huge tennis fan. And Coco just won the U.S. Open. But the young lady that she played with, yeah. even though she lost, she, today, win or lose, she became the world number one. Now, I am sure she still wanted to win. But Coco, with her win, is number six. You know what I mean? Like It's just like, so I... I take that to say, yes, I may not win all the time, but I'm always, God's going to give me a backdoor blessing. My name's still going to be, you know, somewhere. Because at the end of the day, her name is, she's risen in the ranks to world number one. That on Saturday, it may have been she lost to Coco Guap. But today is she's risen in the ranks to world number one. Like, so your name, God is still going to make your name great. Even if you were like, I've caught some L's. Okay, we all do. And I just am always like, well, God, if this is the L, I need you to give me a backdoor blessing. What's the backdoor blessing? Yes, I love that. Well, and I'm writing this um, second book on um, kind of what we're talking about a little bit here today. But one of the things that's been coming through is free will. And just the second piece of that, it is a will. And you have this force and this strength, especially if you say to God, universe source, you know, please let me be a tool that you can work through here in this world that there are so many stones to turn over here. And if you just keep using, you know, keep yourself open, let God pour through you to keep turning over stone after stone, after stone, after stone, you are going to get to that. Yes, you are going to get to that win. And I think so often, especially within the Christian communities, there can seem to be this cycle where it's almost like these two things play off of one another, that we're supposed to want to be these open vessels that God universe source can work through. And oftentimes, if you are willing to turn over enough stones, you are going to find success. And oftentimes it just takes you to bigger, better, brighter things. And you just keep going farther with the work that you're doing. But then there's other things that you're not supposed to talk about, right? Like success or money or all of, and so then it starts to about them there are people there are people you know um but but i think within a large percentage of folks that i work with it creates this self-doubt right like i'm i'm supposed to be this open vessel that god can work through but i'm not supposed to want the fame or i'm not supposed to want the success or i'm not supposed to want this and so then it creates this mixed feeling or self-doubt that kind of hinders the process does that make sense I think it's, I think it's, it, there's a nuance, right? It's like, it's not, I'm not supposed to want that, 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 because David, David was very successful. <laughs> David was very, Queen Sheba, you know, like there, Esther, it, she knew what she was doing. Like they, they were getting all the virgins and they were going to marry the, the king. You're not a pauper <laughs> when you're the queen, you know what I mean? And so I think it is a matter of what you focus on. 
right? Because if your focus is, I want to be famous, I I have never in my entire life said, I want to be famous. I wanted to be a working actress. I wanted to be able to make my family name great. Whatever that looked like, I'm like, Lord, I want to make your name great. I want to make my family name great. When they hear Yvonne Ortiz, I want to do something in my life that touched people. That's it. It wasn't about fame. It wasn't like, I want so-and-so to know my name. Because if that's the energy, then you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. My thing was integrity, character, and excellence have to protect my this talent. Because, you know, you have the verse. It's like, what is the property of man to gain the world, but lose it? So for me, it's like, the blessing of the Lord maketh you rich and he adds no sorrow to it. That is also in the Bible. And for me, I'm like, sorrow looks like, yeah, I got all this money, but like, low key, I hate myself. But no one else knows that. That don't sound like fantastic to me. <laughs> and so I think even before I entered the industry, it was like, hey, God, it's a whole bunch of people who are comedians and they're depressed. So the minute I become depressed. Get me out the game, because I'm not. Because that that's that's not it. That's not that's not what you told me to be a light of joy. My name means archer of happiness. At the point to which, like, I'm not happy, and I got to put on a happy face to go make other people happy, and then come back, and I'm depressed. Get me out the game, like, because that that does not feel like having a oneness, a symbiotic relationship with what I'm like. I always wanted to be authentic. If I may not have used the word authentic, but I was just like, yeah, I don't want to have. A different face because I also knew that that's a thing that happens in Hollywood. People are like, I'm happy, I'm smiling, and they go home and it's just like their marriage is failing, everything. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I want the joy that I actually have to be the thing that emanates out of me. And that was a conversation I had with God. I was like, I don't want it that bad. That cost that actually costs too much. Cause then I'm gonna be like a chicken with my neck cut off. Cause some people are gonna be like, Yvonne's great. I'm like, I am. And now I gotta feel like I, I gotta stay great for them because if I'm not great, then they know me as great. And then I, and I'm like, that's too much pressure. So that was the first thing. I was like, God, the minute this is not cool no more, get me out. It's not worth it. And then two, it's just like, yeah, God, I want to enjoy this thing you have given me. I want to enjoy, I want to be happy in it. And so at the point to which I'm uh, chained to it, or it, my pastor would always say, do the blessings of the Lord do, um, have you or do you have them? Mm. Like you have the blessings or do the blessings have you? Because when the blessings have you, you forget who gave them to you. Yeah. And so now you're like, well, I don't want to lose them. And I don't want to, and it's a, uh-huh, okay, all right. So now you don't want to lose it, but what do you have? And it's just like, so now you're going to do anything. And now we've met these people. We've seen these people. We are we know these people who will do anything to either amass the blessing or to hold on to the blessing. Maybe I have been poor. I don't recommend it, but I know how to live within it. And so if I had to go back, it's like, well, then guys, guys got to come back story. I was like, I guess my next book is Bamboozled by Jesus, how I came back from poverty. Like, I don't know, like whatever it is, like, cause what are we doing? Yeah. 
Oh, I'm so glad that you explained that to everybody, because I think that you explained it in just such a beautiful way. And you are such an inspiration yourself. Thank you for the work that you're putting out into this world. Thank you for your new book, Bamboozled by Jesus. Um, When this airs, it is going to be out everywhere. Everyone can find it. We'll put all the links in the show notes. And the audio book, I also, if you you like audio books, I'm the one that read it. So, and I I give you all the same zest. In the book, you can hear my voice, but on the audio book, I'll you got my hand movements. You got my my gestures, <laughs> my inflections. Yay. Where else do you want uh, to direct people to find you and your work? Um, Instagram, um, uh, at Yvonne Orgy. That's where I like post most of my stuff. Um, you can't really promote all of the other things that I've done. But if you, if you Google me or IMDB, you can see all the stuff that I've done and you can feel free to peruse those networks. We are currently on strike right now. Um, and so as actors and writers, we cannot um, actively promote any works past or present. So, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I know that God is working that all out in your favor. I don't think it's any coincidence that this book is coming out when it is. So thank you so much for all that you do. And um, and we love you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to all your listeners. <laughs> Beautiful soul. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know, I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at angelpodcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you.